Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hi there. This is our first episode of 2024, so Happy New Year. If you're a new listener, Heather and I are going to check in and share how we're feeling by doing our mood meter. And how we do that is an app called How We Feel. Certainly, if you've listened before, you'll know what we're talking about. You just click on the app. You kind of hover around a certain area and it will help you figure out what it is that is going on with you today and allows you to move into your day more mindfully. For me, I got energized. And the way that they have defined energized is feeling like you are wide awake and ready to get up and go. So I don't know I would have described it that way, but I do have I do have a lot of energy and I am eager to do this episode. How about you, Heather? Uh, I think we're opposites today a little bit. I have mellow, which is relaxed and laid back, easygoing. Okay, well, maybe that's a good combination. I think the easygoing part is is good. I would agree. <laughs> Well, since Valentine's Day is coming soon, I thought it would be timely to discuss love languages on today's episode. And on that note, I've also incorporated Valentine's into this month's DISC illustration. Here is DISC according to Symbols of Love. For high D, I chose a red rose. Vibrant, strong, beware of the thorns though. <laughs> LOL, high Ds, I'm teasing. High I is heart. It's the quintessential symbol of love, and who better to embody it than the eyes who wear their hearts on their sleeves. For high S, I chose lovebirds. They support each other. They're loyal. They mate for life. And high C is a love letter. Cs value the written word, and what better way to express their thoughts. Let's jump into today's topic, love languages. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the book, The Five Love Languages. And this is where most of the source material comes from. I read this book many years ago, and I had it categorized in my mind as something for romantic partners only. So I was surprised when one of my clients, who works for a really large organization, mentioned that they went through an exercise where they use the love languages as a team-building exercise. That caught me off guard initially. But when I started to think about it, I realized that, yes, it can be applicable to the workplace. And here we are. The concept that different personalities speak different languages is a common thread running throughout my work. You've heard me say that, for instance, high dominance and high steadiness are polar opposites. And in order for them to truly connect, high D needs to learn to speak high S and vice versa. The same thing goes for the love languages. You most likely speak a different one than your partner or your colleagues. What are the five love languages? They are acts of service receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch. If you're wondering what yours is, I'm going to read out a few questions to give you a sense, but you can access the full quiz at fivelovelanguages.com and we'll link it in the show notes too. Okay, ready? For each question, there are two choices. Choose the one that resonates with you the most. Question one. Supportive comments from my partner make me feel good. I love to hold my partner's hand. That was two of them. Remember, both of these can be true, but pick the one that you feel the strongest about. Question two. 
Receiving special gifts from my spouse makes me happy. I enjoy long trips with my spouse. Question three. Little things that my partner does for me means more than the things she says to me. I love to hug my partner. Question four. Spending time with my significant other makes me happy. Even the smallest gift for my significant other is important to me. And question five, I love hugging and kissing my partner after we've been apart for a while. I love hearing my partner tell me he believes in me. Okay, so going back to look at it. For question one, if you picked supportive comments make me feel good, you selected the words of affirmation, love language. For question number two, if you chose receiving gifts makes you happy, I think you can guess which love language that's referring to. Number three, little things that my partner does for me means more than what they say to me. This one is acts of service. For number four, spending time with my significant other makes me happy. If this was your pick, then you chose quality time as your love language. And finally, the last question, if you selected hugging and kissing my partner, no surprise, this is the physical touch love language. Again, that was just a really brief glimpse. If you want to try the full quiz, you can check out fivelovelanguages.com. And like our leading disc factors, it is possible to have more than one love language. So you may find that you're tied between two or that a second one comes in quite closely behind. For me, I have a clear winner out by a mile, and it is words of affirmation. This does not come as a surprise to me. It means a lot when I get positive feedback and I love receiving a thoughtful handwritten note. I would choose this over a gift any day. Heather, what is yours? Mine is also words of affirmation. And I do have a secondary one, but it is not close. Words of affirmation is by far my main love language. Very similar to me, too. And as we go through them, we will get a sense of where our other languages uh, rank. We're going to explore each language and see how it's relevant, not only in our personal lives, but in our professional ones, too. Disclaimer, having said that, I will not be including the fifth love language, which is physical touch, because obviously I don't think that would be appropriate in the workplace. So we're going to start with acts of service. If this is your primary love language, you feel loved when your partner takes actions to help you out. This could be making dinner, getting groceries, putting gas in your car. This is actually my lowest scoring language, and it's weird because I definitely appreciate tasks being done for me so I don't have to do them or like to free up some of my time. But is it just me? It doesn't seem like a love language or at all romantic. I'm sure others feel differently, though. Uh, I think because, Heather, I think you said this might have been your second. Yes. Okay. How can you tie this into your work relationships? If you know that a coworker feels this way, you could offer your assistance or show your support by running an errand that they've been putting off or helping them figure out a tech problem, picking up lunch for them if they're swamped. If you find that it's a struggle to identify other people's needs, and this does not come naturally to all of us, and if you don't know what to do then, you can try to make a list of things that you've noticed or you've heard your teammate comment on in the past could be something they're complaining about or an expression of frustration about not having time to do X, Y, and Z. If you see, for instance, they're struggling with tech and you're good at it, this would be a great way to offer your help to them. It's not a big undertaking on your part, 
but it would be a massive time saver and stress relief for them. Honing in on what matters to our colleagues and then tailoring our approach to that deepens our connections and paves a way for a cohesive relationship. The next love language is receiving gifts. And for this one, I always wonder if people score higher on this one when they're younger. (laughs) And then as we age and get more practical, does it wane? What do you think, Heather? Where is this one ranking for you? It actually ranks last for me as a love language, which I questioned at one point because I was like, I like to give gifts. Uh huh. Yes, it is very interesting. I think the act of giving a gift and receiving a gift is very different. And it also depends on what the gift is, right? For me, this one's mid-range. And <laughs> I get really nervous opening gifts in front of people. I don't know if this is the same for you or not, Heather. <laughs> but I feel pressure to react you know, in a certain way, in a positive way. And then I worry in case, what if I don't like the present and I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings? And I almost didn't have a bridal shower for this reason. Oh, (laughs) here's what I want to say. I enjoy getting gift when it's clear that the other person knows something very specific, right? About me. And so if someone's buying someone a gift, if they find something that's so perfectly you, it reflects the level of attention they've paid and the care that they put into finding something that suits you so well, something that represents the essence of you. Having said that, like, that's pretty hard to do, right? This isn't going to be achievable on a regular basis. How does this play into a work scenario? This love language can be shown by simple things like picking up coffee in the morning and bringing it to your Java-loving colleague, getting a gift card for your employee's favorite store if you want to say thanks or job well done making a donation to a charity that's close to their heart. If you're not a natural shopper or idea person, you may feel daunted by this one. The suggestion would be to keep a gift idea notebook. And every time you hear your partner or your colleague comment favorably on something, write it down. You'll eventually accumulate a list and then see if you can connect these ideas to tangible items. Moving on to the next language, quality time. This one is my second highest. How about you, Heather? Where does it fall for you? It's middle. Okay. This one's a mid-pack for you. The key ingredient in this language is focused attention. It's not about spending an abundance of time together, but that you are experiencing connection with each other. This can be a challenging one because, surprise, surprise, (laughs) we all have different concepts of what quality time means to us. One person may feel content watching TV next to their loved one and not saying a word. But that won't be successful if the other person is looking for conversation and engagement. Here is one of those scenarios where quality counts over quantity. It needs to be something that is meaningful to the other person. For me, I would much rather spend one hour of focused time than three hours just casually chit-chatting or watching TV and not engaging. How does this apply at work? Unfortunately, focused attention is in short supply, but the demand is great. Our current culture is filled with distractions and the expectation that calls, emails need to be responded to immediately. It's easy to get derailed by trying to multitask and responding to emails during meetings. Heather, you're nodding along very vigorously (laughs) with that one. That's resonating. By doing this, we're depriving ourselves of being present and we're depriving others of our full attention. Think of how much more meaningful it would be to a teammate to see you put down your phone and zone in on them. Building connection and rapport is vital to successful working relationships. You can accomplish this easier by talking face-to-face if possible, 
or chatting online with a video. That way you can see each other. And sometimes, if possible, it's better to get away from the work environment to gain quality time. If you want to have an important conversation, perhaps you could go for a walk or have a lunch or a coffee meeting. And it's not just doing these things, but it's what you observe during them and what you give back. This includes maintaining eye contact, watch for nonverbal cues and body language and expressions of emotions, listen for feelings and try not to interrupt. If you feel like you're at a loss for filling the time with quality conversation, you can incorporate what I would almost call an icebreaker. For instance, you can have a list of three to five questions or topics that you will talk about. I use these in workshops all the time, and they're a really great way to warm up and build rapport. Some examples could be, what was your favorite childhood movie and why? Who was your best teacher and what impact did they have? Or what about the worst? And if you could have anyone over for dinner, past, present, living, dead, who would it be? That's always a good one. You can see how this prompts a shared sense of nostalgia almost, and it promotes openness and connection. Okay, finally, we have the last love language, and that is words of affirmation. As I mentioned, this is my main language, and it's Heather's main language too. There's a quote in the book for this one, which comes from Mark Twain. And the quote is, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Funny, true, but in reality, two months is too long to go without doing it if this is your partner or your teammate's love language. Would you agree, Heather? (laughs) I would agree. However, I do think there's a balance. Okay. I think I know where you're going. And tell me if I'm going to get into this. And if not, you you can add it. So I want to clarify. It's not about throwing around random compliments or platitudes. It needs to be specific and authentic, at least for me. And this ties into the high C part of my profile and probably to yours too, Heather. C's appreciate knowing that their work is of value and they enjoy sincere praise. But if they sense it's just a generalized great job or they get a whiff of it being disingenuous, it won't work. Would you agree? Is that what you were getting at? It is to a point. I always say this to clients and I probably shouldn't. You don't even have to pay me if you say thank you and mean it. If you think I did a good job and say thank you, that goes a really long way. Please tell me you're going to stop saying that to your clients. If I think I'm providing value that people can recognize, that goes so much further than the invoice at the end of the month. 100%. I obviously need to get paid to survive. But I also think what I was referring to earlier is Frank will send me a text he goes to work at a ridiculous hour and I'll wake up to a text that says like, good morning, love of my life. But if he sends it every day, I'm like, okay, enough. But if he sends it once every couple of weeks, so there's like a balance. I think, again, that ties into what I was just saying about routine or platitudes. Yeah, exactly. Heather, let me ask you this. If he were to phrase it differently, if he came up with something different to say, would you still appreciate hearing it phrased in a different way? I would, but I think if it was every day, then all of a sudden it becomes less thoughtful and more autumn. It's like just another thing we do every day. Got it. Totally makes sense. (laughs) Well, I think this is probably why I love personal notes so much, because I think it's like if someone has made the effort to take pen and paper to express their feelings, I think it's likely going to be more thoughtful and genuine, right? Than just saying something every day or to end a conversation or what have you. How would I tie this into this love language at work? Acknowledging your colleague's contribution to a project, even if it's a minor part, 
provides them with validation that what they're doing matters and that they are a part of a greater collective goal. The affirmation will be appreciated if it's said in person, but having it in writing, even on email, gives it permanence and they can go back and see it from time to time. You can even copy their boss on it or share the accolades to their boss or colleague directly so they don't even have to be there. And when it gets back to them, this will feel even more special. It's a little bit more subtle, but I think it goes a long way. I do want to clarify that this language is not just about being complimented and praised. The words of affirmation are also about being supported and encouraged. The word encourage means to inspire courage. We all have things that we feel insecure about, and having someone in our corner to support and cheer us on can really make all the difference. Okay, before we go, (laughs) I had to compare the love languages to the disc factors. I mean, obviously, who would I be if I didn't? Would I even be me? Heather, I want to give you a chance to take a guess at what you think. Which love language would line up with which disc factor, even if you want to just try one? So I've thought about this when... We were preparing because I knew you would probably go here. I'm so predictable. <laughs> well, it's what the podcast's about, which I don't have any eye, but I think the physical touch and the high eye go together. Oh my gosh, bingo. Yes. I always think of you like high S, nurses, teachers, and then that's acts of service. And then the other one that I think potentially goes together are the words of affirmation and the high C. Okay. Heather, you're going to start running my workshops for me now, right? (laughs) Perfect. Okay. So the one that you didn't mention, and I have to say, this is a challenging one too. So for high D, I wrote, I, I think I lined it up with receiving gifts. But in this case, I said it almost could be giving them though. And you know what I did? I started to think about some high Ds in my life and realized They like to buy the gifts and give the gifts. And I know that's you. So maybe that is your high D coming through because a gift is tangible, right? Ds are very much, can I see this? Is there an end result? Is there a goal? It's very much about tangible things. And so I think that's how I've aligned it with D, right? And even, you know, if you get them a good gift and it speaks to them, great bonus. Oh, I wanted that. Perfect. (laughs) And also, you know, depending on if you're a good shopper or not, it could be quick and easy. We know Ds can be a little impatient and they kind of want to see something for what they're getting. Like I'm putting something into this. What am I getting? Well, there you go. Physical gift. Yes. For high eye, I think physical touch. So you're right on that. It's interesting. My friends are always like, don't worry, I'm not going to hug you. (laughs) That's what made me think of it. Because I'm like, I have no eye in my personality. I also don't love hugs. That is very funny. Well, and we know that high eyes love hugs. So you probably have a lot of eyes around you. And even just when they're talking, you know, they're hand talkers. They'll lean in. They'll touch your shoulder. They'll do that. So for sure, high eye, I have physical touch for. And yes, high S acts of service. Absolutely. And for all those reasons you said, overwhelmingly, we know high S's are counselors, nurses, teachers, GPs, all of those types of things. And then for high C, of course, words of affirmation, C's what we talked about. They love the written word if it's in writing, but also just to know that what they're doing is important and counts. Thanks for joining us today. Catch you next time. Communicate, connect, close workshop. Did you know that effective communication is one of the biggest predictors of sales success? This fun, interactive and informative session shows you how to customize your interactions with prospects and clients. Using role-play scenarios, you'll learn techniques to make deeper connections and ultimately close transactions. If you are interested in connecting with Victoria for team building, strategic onboarding, coaching, or speaking engagement, you can contact her at 
discoverwhatworks at gmail.com. This show is a Twisted Spur media production produced by our very own Heather McPherson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share with a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.